She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hate does not know religion, race, creed, political party. It's not a political issue in any way, shape, or form. It wasn't just an attack upon the Jewish community. This was an attack upon America. They've been going since October 13th. There's a lot of coughing here. They've got blisters on their feet. It's been tough, but they say that they're not accepting Mexico's offer for temporary uh, asylum, temporary jobs, temporary health care, and they're definitely not heeding President Trump's warnings to not show up at the border. They all say they're coming, and they're going to show up on the border. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the program, Hour 2. This hour we're going to be discussing um, quite a lot. We're going to have much uh, kind of digging in on a few issues that are really, I just feel, you know, I'm, I'm not going to preview it. We're going to go right into it. I want to get to this story of Detroit police removing 63 infant remains from Perry Funeral Home in Detroit. It's number two. Police have found 63 fetuses in total so far. 37 found in among three unrefrigerated cardboard boxes and 27 others found in freezers, all improperly stored, according to police. Tonight, I spoke with a mother who had a stillboard cremated here and has serious concerns with today's latest discovery. I think about it every day. It's not, not one day I don't think about Davisha Delahue says on May 23rd of 2017, she gave birth to a little girl, Deanna Michelle. But Deanna Michelle was a stillborn. Delahue says she came here to Perry Funeral Home to have her cremated. But when she got the ashes, she felt like something was wrong. When I got them, I opened them up, and then instantly I just told my sister, my mom, say, this is not her. You know, I don't feel like this is my daughter. Tonight, news of 37 infants and fetuses found in unreal refrigerated cardboard boxes and an additional 27 found in a freezer is breaking Delahue's heart. She worries the ashes that she got may not be her daughter's. I paid money for my daughter. You know, I want her, you know, and that's like sentimental to me and just have nothing. You know, it could just be just plain ash is not even my daughter. It, it's heartbreaking to know that people are out here doing sick things like that. So this story is percolating up through the media. You won't see it on CNN or MSNBC because this goes to a devaluation of life that we're seeing across the country. This is the second funeral home in Detroit that has been found to have remains of what they call fetuses and then infants. The difference between a fetus and an infant, you might be wondering, well, one is the, um, the Latin word fetus, and when you look for its translation, um, first of all, it can be spelled fetus, F-E-T-U-S or F-O-E-T-U-S. And they describe it as the prenatal stage between the embryonic stage and birth. Um, but it's just another word for baby. Now, I, I okay. Unborn offspring of a mammal, and in particular an unborn human baby more than eight weeks after conception, it's a baby. So the reason why the reporter had to make the designation that some of the boxes that were unrefrigerated contained fetuses and other of the boxes contained infants, it, she's just talking about the stage of development that the human remains were in. 
So I want to clear that up first. Second of all, this story coming on the heels of the Gosnell movie, I know the Gosnell movie has been out for a couple weeks now, but I just saw it over the weekend. And if you missed my conversation about that at the very top of the show in hour one, you know, I was just struck by how well they were able to show the inconsistencies in people who claim to believe in science, yet don't believe that abortion clinics should be inspected. Because if you inspected clinics regularly, you would find conditions that are appalling, that fly in the face of what Americans were told back when the Supreme Court enshrined the right to kill an unborn baby as a constitutional one. They said that safe, legal, and rare would prevent women from catching STDs during abortion procedures by doctors using, you know, implements over and over and over again and not cleaning them by doctors using, uh, you know, single use implements repeatedly from doctors cutting corners from doctors treating women like, um, you know, experimental test tube animals, which all of these things Dr. Gosnell did. And, you know, I, I subscribe to the well, first of all, where there's smoke, there's fire. And Gosnell wasn't just smoke. It was a flaming, blazing city fire in Philadelphia. But there's more to it than that. Because just like you don't say, you know, you see your dog scratching and you examine them and you see a flea. You don't say, oh, my, you have a flea. No, you say you have fleas because if you can see one, you know there are many others. And if we can see one clinic operating the way Gosnell's did with 14 and 15 year old girls administering anesthesia and medication and a a woman dying there, then, you know, there are other clinics like that. And if you can see a Republican governor saying we're not going to inspect these abortion clinics because we don't want them to lose their license because that would be bad for the abortion industry. And he was a Republican then you know there are Democratic governors who've said the same thing. We're not going to expect these clinics. We're not going to, we're going to hold these clinics to a certain standard because that would mean they might have to shut down. Planned Parenthood has said as much in their own defense of not having clinic standards. They've said these clinic standards are an attempt to force abortion clinics to close. So they don't even pretend that they can meet the standards or that they want to. They simply say, you're trying to shut us down. What is the implication there? It's a tacit admission that clean clinics with staff who are trained and willing to do the the different parts of the procedure according to medical standards are not something they're interested in, not even something they're able to do. And remember, Planned Parenthood does a third of the abortions in this country. A third. So two-thirds of the abortions are done at clinics that could or could not be like Gosnell's. So here's the remainder of that audio. It's Perry Funeral Home 2. The Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs, or LARA, says some of the bodies date back to 2015. They have suspended the license of Gary Deke, the director of Perry Funeral Home. On top of today's gruesome find, LARA says Perry failed to certify death certificates, failed to secure permits for removal of dead bodies, and embalmed dead fetuses and infants without being told by a relative of the deceased to do so. Others in the community hope this raid at Perry Funeral Home and last week's discovery at Cantrell Funeral Home will send a message to other funeral homes in our area not taking care of precious loved ones. And we're talking about a huge number of these babies who were not properly cared for after their demise. And so 
you might say, well, what does this have to do with abortion? Well, what would dehumanize babies to the point in, in the in the minds of these funeral home people? What would dehumanize the babies to the point where they didn't feel like they needed to do anything with them? They only needed to take care of the adults. We're not talking about a, a, a mass of adult remains that have been left unstored. It's the babies. They're the ones who have been not taken care of. And so as horrifying as that story is, there is a bit of good news. Um, there, there's a story here. It's actually a survey that was just taken. Uh, Ligonier Ministries and Lifeway Research teamed up for the 2018 State of Theology Survey. It measures theological temperature of the United States to help Christians better understand today's culture and equip the church with better insights. Now, this survey found that 52%, which is a majority, of American adults now consider abortion a sin, up from 49% two years ago. Now, it's a good start. Considering it a sin is a great start. What we need is for Americans to view it as something that's unconscionable. Because you know what else is a sin? Gossiping. I don't know a lot of people who consider gossip to be something that can eternally separate you from God. Any unrepented sin can eternally separate you from God, but most people don't equate the sin of gossip as something that is that serious. All sin is serious to God, but I'm talking about the way people view it. When Americans say that they consider abortion a sin, you kind of have to go a little further than that and say, well, if it's a sin, is it something that eternally separates you from God? Do you see it as something that not only angers God, but that he would pour his wrath out on a nation that funds abortion with taxpayer dollars and forces all Americans to participate in it. And I wonder what the answer to that question would be. If I, if I ever commission a survey, that would be one of the questions that I would ask. Um, so it's important for us to note that the abortion rate is declining. The teen pregnancy rate is declining and these are great developments, but we must absolutely must be as specific as we can in condemning abortion and getting Americans to understand that we receive the recompense for the sin of the nation immediately. So the idea that we have some grace period in which we can abort 55 to 60 million babies and not receive any recompense for that, that is not the way that God has a nation set up to operate. We receive the blessings when they're due for things that we've done that please God for obedience and we receive the recompense for the sin in due time. Now there's also the wrath of God, which gets poured out on a nation that continues on in sin and becomes reprobate. That comes a little later when the full wrath is poured out, but God gives a certain number of years for a nation to come to their senses and repent and turn away from the sin. And that's what the abortion movement uh, the the pro-life movement that fights the abortion movement is really about. It's about educating people and getting them to understand that what we're doing in this country is wrong. And at wrong as a matter of public policy first, but wrong period when you're participating in it. And that women, so many women are being duped into thinking that this is just something that will solve a problem for you when really the abortion is the first act cementing the problem in your life forever because then you can't undo it you can't you can have a baby and give the baby up for adoption or you know have have a family member raise the baby and you don't have the same 
repercussions that a woman who decides to have an abortion has. And so when people say to young girls and women or married women who have an unexpected pregnancy, well, if you have the abortion, it totally takes care of the problem. You get to walk away and you never have to think about it again. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie that Satan peddles to women. And then afterwards, when they realize what has happened and what what they're going to have to live with, that's when the problems begin. So it's important to note when we're having some victory in an area, but we have so much further to go. Um, so that's that. That's the theological survey. So the other thing, um, and, and I knew we mentioned it at the beginning of the show, um, but I want to talk a little bit about how the leftist media is kind of turning the entire situation with the, the most recent acts of violence that have been committed into indictments of Donald Trump. And you've got the media actually out there hyping these Jewish leaders, quote unquote, who've disinvited Trump from Pittsburgh. Now, first of all, president of the United States, he's flowing on Air Force One. Exactly. How do they expect to keep him out of Pittsburgh? The does Pittsburgh have its own National Guard? I mean, what what exactly do they think they're doing? It's so childish, it defies logic, yet here they are. Now, of course, the mainstream media think this is just fantastic. Jews reject Trump. Hashtag, we've seen this before. Ben the Ark Jewish action. We've seen this before.org. Have they got those signs printed up pretty quick, didn't they? So these so-called Jewish leaders are being amplified by far-left media, mainstream media as well, um, that in their claims that local Jewish media doesn't want Trump to visit, visit Pittsburgh. And that's not true because the actual leader of the synagogue that, that was the site of the, the shooting, he said they welcome the president to come. They're, they're happy to have him come. Um, the Jewish leaders in question that are being touted by media are members of a far left group called Ben the Ark, a Jewish partnership for justice. They are a part of the so-called resistance to president Trump. They're committed to electing Democrats to Congress and interrupting the Trump presidency. They directly blame Donald Trump for the violence that occurred at their synagogue. They don't blame Bernie Sanders for Steve Scalise and others being shot in Arlington, Virginia, but they blame Donald Trump for this. It's so pathetic. I'm sorry. It really is. All right. So when we get back, we're going to be talking about the immigration law and uh, also the death threats and vandalism and assaults, 40 acts of left-wing thuggery. You'll want that list. Stay there. Are you still stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster. And say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 
1-800-345-8345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, in a speech at Hillsdale College, Andrew McCarthy told the story of leading the prosecution in 1993 of the terrorist cell that bombed the World Trade Center. At the time, other government officials told him that he should read nothing into the fact that all the men in the terrorist cell were Muslims. These officials explained that the terrorist actions weren't representative of Islam because, after all, it is a religion that encourages peace. The government also portrayed the leader of the terrorist cell, Omar Abdel Rahman, as a wanton killer and unbalanced lunatic. Andrew McCarthy discovered he was anything but. He was a globally renowned scholar with a doctorate in Islamic jurisprudence from a major university in Egypt. That presented a problem. Andrew McCarthy needed to know enough about Islamic interpretation to press the case. He hoped to find inconsistency between what the Quran teaches and what the leader of the terrorist cell taught. What he found was alarming. Every time Omar Abdel Rahman quoted the Quran or other Islamic sources, he quoted them accurately. When he said that scriptures command Muslims to strike terror into the hearts of Islam's enemies, the scriptures backed him up. When he said Allah enjoined all Muslims to wage war until Islamic law was established throughout the world, the scriptures backed him up. Andrew McCarthy discovered the flaw in the oft-repeated argument that Muslim terrorists are perverting the religion of Islam. They are accurately quoting verses from the Quran. That doesn't mean that all Muslims will be terrorists. Many do not even know of these passages or have been able to contextualize them. But it does illustrate why we cannot continually argue that radical Muslims who are calling for jihad are teaching something that is contrary to Islam. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. From GraceWorks Pictures, Indivisible, based on the true story of Army Chaplain Darren Turner and his wife Heather. Rated PG-13. Now playing IndivisibleMovie.com. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I completely agree with the President. We need to change the laws. We have to close these loopholes. Uh, we, we need better barriers. There's no doubt about it. But the fact of the matter is we reward people for coming to this country illegally because if they get in here, they're able to stay. And, and listen, as, as troublesome as the, these caravans are, the fact of the matter is, Maria, on an average day last year, 1,400 individuals came to this country illegally between the borders. Another 500 presented themselves at the points of port, port of entries. And again, we're, we're having to deal with these folks. And the, the broken legal immigration system we have right now is prompting this. So we, we have length adjudication process. We have an almost unending appeals process. And of course, one of the ways we're handling uh, th this backlog of cases is we just simply grant administrative closures to the tune of close to 900 per day last year, although Attorney General Sessions stopped that administrative closures. Hey, welcome back to the program. If you want to call and join in on the show, Comment on anything we've discussed in Hour 1 or Hour 2, you're welcome to do so. The call lines are open at 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. Love to chat with you if you want. Um, now I want to talk about Brian Kemp. Uh, he's talking about his immigration plan and saying that, you know, if he's elected, he will track and deport criminal illegals. Now, this is super important, okay, because... Stacey Abrams is running against him, and I believe that her position is the opposite of that. Um, but more importantly, we're to be voting based on what 
God's word says, and if you're one of those people who's, oh, God's word doesn't say deport illegal immigrants. No, but it does say prosecute lawbreakers. And it's a very simple concept, sovereignty of nations. It was given to us in the Bible, and it is God's plan for people groups to form up into countries and nations and to have borders. And so, you know, there's really no getting around that. And, and knowing that means you don't have to feel guilty about wanting the law to be followed. So you got Georgia Republican gubernatorial nominee Brian Kemp joining Breitbart News Radio on Saturday to discuss his opposition to his challenger's radical socialist agenda. Now, it's he, him, he's running against Stacey Abrams. Um, she has embraced socialism. She wants to give illegal aliens voting privileges. And the quote from him is, I don't know if I can explain it. It's against the Constitution and obviously against state law. Certainly as a secretary of state, I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen. It's funny, the lawsuit they proposed or served us with was asking for that. We pointed it out to them. They amended the complaint not to ask for that. So now they're suing us over something we already do. It's just gotten ridiculous down here in Georgia. And so this is kind of a, you know, a hallmark. It's like a little ringing of the bell. Will Georgia continue to be a prosperous state that does really well, you know, with their their flagship city, Atlanta, with that outsized population and just, you know, just tons of growth? Will they continue on like that or are they going to go down the path of socialism and, you know, sanctuary city status and all of that garbage? Same thing with Florida, where you see two radically oppositional views on display in their gubernatorial contest. Someone who will need to raise $2.6 billion in taxes a year on Floridians, Gillum, his plans for socialism, will cost $2.6 billion a year. And think of all the wealthy, kind of liberal types, moderate Democrats, hardcore Democrats, who've moved to Florida for good weather and relief from, you know, the toughness of New York, lower taxes, economic prosperity, and a great place to live out their retirement years. They'll be facing the same things they faced back in New York They'll be facing them again, only they'll be in Florida. And where will they go? Well, they'll take their locust-like behavior over to Texas, probably. I've got a ton of Californians moving into Texas with their locust-like behavior. And I get why a lot of them are leaving because they realize the error of their voting patterns. But some of them are just moving because they're like, this is too expensive. We need to go someplace that's still warm, but it's cheaper. And as soon as they get there, they start listening to the socialists, listening to the, hey, we need more tax revenue. We need more. No, you don't. You don't need more tax revenue. You need smaller government, less tax coming out of your purse and into the government. You need less of it. So now let's talk about these death threats and uh, thuggery. I'm just going to give you a few of them and then I'll post the link. I'm really, I'm just so upsetting to see this and to see it not covered in the media And I understand there's an agenda, but there's also an issue of calling people out who, I mean, don't, don't, doesn't anyone who is on the left kind of care about looking bad? That's, that's like a question that I'd love to ask. Do you care that this makes you look bad? And instead of trying to cover it up, don't you think you should call these people out so they can stop making you look bad? So we're talking about so far in October and we're coming to the end of October, but so far in October, on October 3rd, you had ricin and a threatening letter sent to President Trump. Defense Secretary James Mattis and Director Ray were sent rice and letters. The New York Times openly fantasized about President Trump's assassination on October 25th. On the 18th, an MSNBC commentator called for the military to remove Trump from office. 
Uh, on October 16th, a person claimed a ricin letter was sent, was in a letter sent to Senator Collins's home. Um, no fewer than five Republican campaign centers and a club have been vandalized. This is October. October 2nd, the Illinois GOP headquarters was hit with rape graffiti. The 25th, GOP headquarters vandalized in Iowa City. October 23rd, Boulder thrown through Representative McCarthy's office window in California. Uh, again, two on the 12th, GOP offices vandalized in Mesa, Arizona, Antifa smashing windows and defacing doors at the Metropolitan Club, Metropolitan Republican Club in Manhattan. Rape and death threats. You're thinking there haven't been any of those? They never disappoint these hardcore leftists. October 24th, 19th, 2nd, 16th, 8th, 15th, 7th, 4th, 8th, and 6th. Lots of senators received lots of rape threats for not just themselves, but their children. Um, and all, a lot of those were over the Kavanaugh vote. Um, and that, just so you know, I'm, the papers you hear me rattling are front and back. I got front and back for all this stuff. Nine assaults and attempted assaults against Republicans. So a Soros-funded group sent one of their operatives out, and he battered Nevada GOP candidate's campaign manager. Um, an elderly Trump supporter was beaten up by Kavanaugh protesters. Some other protesters chased Senator Lindsey Graham to his car, saying that they would physically remove him from office. Andy Harris was assaulted by pro, uh, protesters. He's a GOP congressman. Susan Rice's Republican son was assaulted at a pro-Kavanaugh event. He attends Stanford University, and he's uh, the president of the Republican club there. And then a left-wing comedian got physical with a Trump supporter at a Hooters. Republican candidate Shane Meckland punched in a Minnesota restaurant. Uh, Sarah Anderson, who's a Republican state rep, was assaulted in Minnesota. Justin Fareed's campaign canvasser was allegedly chased and assaulted. There have been six acts of harassment and open calls to harass Republicans. A left-wing mob disrupted Marsha Blackburn's rally. McConnell and his wife, we've covered this on the show, were, you know, told to get out of here at a, a diner. The diners, fellow diners fought back and stopped that. Uh, Portland Antifa told the 9-11 NYPD widow, your husband should rot in the grave. I'm leaving out the expletives. Um, and that one is actually really cool if you go to the right scoop. And I don't mean it's really cool that he did that, but some people in the crowd decided to get him back. And at the first sign of, of pushback from a grown man, because he was yelling at a woman who was shorter than him and clearly couldn't defend herself against him. But when a man claiming to be her son came running after him and said, now who are you going to yell at? He looked terrified and turned and ran across the street and started running for his life with his little Antifa backpack. You can find that at the right scoop. Uh, professor calls for harassing Republicans at restaurants. He said, stick your fingers in their salads. Oh, isn't that disgusting? Ugh. I don't want to be like, ugh, ugh. October 8th, 2018, left-wing terrorist group calls Antifa, calls to take over Portland. Um, they actually took over the intersection there, harassed an old guy who was like just trying to drive through. Senator Rand Paul was harassed at the airport on October 6th. October one. Senator Mitch McConnell was badgered at the airport by the anti-Kavanaugh activists. He's so funny because he's really quiet when this stuff goes on. And he just seems to kind of like sit there 
and observe it. And then when they don't get their way, he kind of smiles. He like smirks a little bit. I just wonder what he's really like. Like when he's not Senator Mitch McConnell and he's just sitting around at home with his wife or sitting with friends, I bet you he's a hoot. Honestly, I think he's probably he's that person who he's always quiet around you and he's always serious. But then when you catch him off guard, you're having like the, a blast. I know he's older, you know, but I'm 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 just guesstimating by the smirks he lets off when these people are attacking him. They don't actually ruffle his feathers. Um, his wife gets pretty ticked off, though, and she goes after him. She's not afraid of anybody, which is interesting because she's very petite. Um Three high-ranking Democrats have called for more violence and incivility. Obama's former Deputy Secretary of State, Philippe Rines, said harassment of McConnell and his wife is fine. Hillary Clinton opposed civility with Republicans. We played that audio here. Eric Holder told the Dem activists, when they go low, we kick them. CNN called for harassment of Republicans. CNN said mobs have a constitutional right to chase Republicans out of restaurants. No, no, they don't. Protest is peaceful assembly. It is not chasing people out of places. I'm just waiting for the day when somebody chases the wrong person. Just waiting because it's bound to happen. Governor Cuomo blamed the GOP for an an the Antifa attack I mentioned a little bit ago on the Manhattan Club. A left-wing news outlet blamed Republican Steve Solis for nearly being murdered. This was the raw story on October 8th, said Stephen Scalise was an accomplice in his own attempted murder. A Trump supporter's truck was lit on fire. It had Trump 2020 bumper stickers and it was it was left out, um, you know, parked and someone set it on fire. Because definitely. If you disagree with ideas, you should burn them to the ground. That's sarcasm, folks. But I don't have to worry about people in this audience actually doing stuff like this because we have sense. And that's what we're dealing with here. A lack of common sense. We have a few minutes left in this segment if you want to call now or for the next segment. Um, the call lines are open. We have them open at 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. I want to turn to the Second Amendment. Um, there's this story out of, let me see, I want to give you the right, correct city, Birmingham, Alabama. So WBRC is reporting that police have confirmed one person is dead and two people are injured after a shooting late Saturday night. The shooting took place at the McDonald's across from the Princeton Hospital. A masked man entered the restaurant when an employee opened the door for a father and his sons to leave. The masked man then opened fire in the restaurant. At that point, the father began shooting at the masked man. Both the father and the masked man were struck along with one of the children. Police later confirmed that the masked man is now deceased and the father had non-life-threatening Injuries. A minor also had non-life-threatening injuries. Authorities do not know at this time if the masked man was robbing the store or, t or targeting an employee who worked there. Police indicate that the father will not be facing charges at this time, and they're asking that anyone who has information pertaining to the case contact the homicide unit or Crime Stoppers, 254-777. They don't give the area code, but I'm assuming if you're local to Birmingham, Alabama, you know who to call. This is good guy with a gun stops mass murderer. It should be on every single station. It should be trumpeted from every single outlet that this man came into this McDonald's and he was going to kill everyone. And this dad who was exiting providentially in the right spot at the right time with his firearm ready to go stopped the mass murderer. 
What, how could it get better than that? And, and I've written extensively for uh, America's First Freedom. I did a couple of columns about, you know, good guy with a gun stops this, this, and that. And they have a regular segment in their print magazine for that that comes out every month where at the very beginning, you know, they, they list all of the good guy with a gun type stuff that happens across the country. Millions and millions and millions of times, never reported in the media because nobody wants you to think that, you know, your own defense could be something that you could take care of yourself. And God bless the police and first responders, and we do rely on them heavily, and, and, and it's so good to have them. But in that moment, when he opened the door for his kids to leave and the gunman slips in and starts shooting, he could duck out because he's got two kids and try to get away, or he could turn around and put that assailant in the ground, which is what he did. And there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible mandates that we not only defend ourselves, but that we have an obligation if we have the ability to protect other people from hurt, harm, and danger when they encounter it and we have the ability to stop it. There's nothing better than that, in my opinion. It is exactly what we are supposed to do. And I'm so glad um, to be able to show this, to share this story with you. And I will quickly just toss it over to the Facebook page so that you can see it there you want to share it, hit the share button and uh, let other people know that, look, this, this, it it not only happens, it happens a lot. And it's fortunate for us that we have the responsibility and the right of being armed and being able to own firearms, unlike people in other countries where they don't have that ability. Just fantastic. It's, it's really fantastic. Um, and, and I feel like the, the other part of the story here is that it wasn't an accident that this dad was the one who was leaving out of the store and, and it happening the way that it did. And it doesn't say that other people were, were shot. It, so I believe if other people were shot, they would have mentioned that in the story. So that means he prevented all of those people from you know, the, they're just sitting in a restaurant. You imagine it. If you eat out at all, you know, and almost all Americans eat out at some point. You're sitting at a McDonald's or, you know, whatever your favorite place to eat is. You're just sitting there, mind your own business. Some guy comes in and starts shooting. And the majority of the people there are not going to be armed. And the guy who opened the door to leave, that the guy passes on his way in, is the one who has the firearm and shoots him and saves everybody else. He shot himself, but non-life-threatening. God bless him. God bless him and his family. All right, last segment of the show is coming up next. You stay right there. We'll be right back. My father, your great-grandfather, fought in World War II. Really? He was a gunner on the big ship out in the Pacific Ocean. Wow. Your great-grandmother did her part, too. Was she on a ship? Oh, no. She stayed back home. She and a lot of her friends worked really hard in a factory because the men had gone off to war. And they held scrap metal drives to help in the war effort. The folks back home were heroes, too. Here at the American Family Association, we consider you the heroes back home. As you fulfill your responsibility of caring for your family day to day, your partnership with us is crucial as we fight the enemies of freedom in America. 
Thank you for your commitment to the American Family Association. Grandpa, what's a scrap metal drive? Let's get some cookies and I'll tell you all about it. This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Blount County School District Superintendent Rodney Green caved to the Freedom From Religion Jihadis complaint about student-led prayer at football games and parents immediately fought back. Students were using the school's public announcement system to broadcast the short prayer, and the Freedom From Fun folks felt that that made it an endorsement. Instead of consulting parents, the decision was made after consulting attorneys. At the next game, aggravated moms and dads stood and said the Lord's Prayer in unison without the assistance of a PA system. The next week, the spirit of capitalism took over, and the parents made t-shirts with the Lord's Prayer on them and sold those at a breakneck pace. And the shirts are cute, stylish even. Two takeaways here. First off, if taxpayers pay your salary, consult with them before making huge changes, especially if prompted by the freedom from fun people. Secondly, and ultimately, it's up to us to keep our religious freedom. Don't forget it. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Donald Trump's America. Pittsburgh's a strong town. A new week begins after one filled with threats and tragedy. In Pittsburgh, the victims of the deadly synagogue shooting were remembered. Mayor Bill Peduto spoke directly to grieving family and friends. We are here as a community of one for you. We will be here to help you through this horrific episode. This tragedy just a day following the arrest of a man in Florida who police believe is responsible for sending package bombs to prominent Democrats. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen on Fox News Sunday says using free speech to hurt people will not be tolerated. There is no place for hate in this country. Hate is hate. Violence is violence. America is dealing with these events as an important midterm election approaches. Secretary Nielsen says the goal a week from tomorrow to assure Americans that their votes will count and their votes will be counted correctly. Majorities in the House and the Senate hang in the balance. Gernal Scott, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I want to hold up again this front page from yesterday of the Washington Post because I, I got to say I was really shocked by it. I fully expected it to say suspect arrested and instead it said bomb sus suspect outspoken supporter of Trump. That's the headline on the Washington Post. And I went back and looked at the Post from last year after Bernie Sanders supporter attacked a Republican baseball practice and severely wounded Steve Scalise. No headline there about outspoken supporter of Sanders. Isn't that fantastic? Little double standard going on there. When the Bernie Sanders bro, the Bernie bro, shot up the Republicans, he actually asked before he started shooting, he said, are these congressional Republicans only Republicans? And he said, yeah, um, these these are these are congressional Republicans. They're practicing for the baseball game that's coming up. He goes out there, pulls his gun out, starts shooting. He wanted to make sure that he was going to get Republicans. And then you look on his social media. He loves Bernie Sanders. He's clearly a Democrat. He he is not a, he's not on the right. Now, if the person doing the damage is a Republican, that's the first thing they say, deranged Republican, Republican shooter, things like that, Republican bomber, attempted terrorist Republican, something like that. But when it's a Democrat, they bury the fact that it's a Democrat way down in like the last second to the last paragraph from the end. They just leave that out. Now, if you don't want to know that it's a Democrat, 
it's not going to matter where they put it because you're going to ignore it. But for Americans who are just looking for news and information, why can't they just tell the truth about it? So Chris Wallace called him out. Thank God, you know, that he actually put that out there. But they weren't done. You've got this uh, rabbi of the Tree of Life Synagogue, and he's on with, I believe it was Allison Camerata on CNN, and she wanted him to blame Donald Trump for the shooting, and he was so eloquent, a wise individual in his answer. Here he is in number six. If we look in the Bible after the this story of the flood and Noah, um, God regretfully says to Noah, um, I have learned that man from his youth is prone to evil, which is, you would think, a horrific thing for God to tell us. Um, The message I get from that is, yes, there is the possibility of hate in all people, but there's also the possibility of good. And good will always win out over hate if we let it in each of us. And I have seen so much good um, these past two days, the emails, the texts, um, when I went home last night, I, I think I finally cleared out it from my phone all my emails. I woke up this morning, I had 399 emails. These are strangers, people I've never met from around the world. Jew, Christian, Muslim, Sikh, every religion. People just pouring out their hearts and giving support. And it shows me good will always win out over evil. And I was really happy to hear from him that he had a message that he wanted to convey and he wasn't going to allow um, this, this questioning, this leading questioning to change what he had to say. He wasn't going to allow partisanship to enter into what was going on. It's a time to grieve and mourn the loss of these wonderful people who were gunned down. They weren't, they weren't in the commission of a crime. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were just in their place of worship. It's a time to honor their lives. And You know, one of my pet peeves in this whole thing is this praying to people. We're praying to this one, praying to that one. We only pray to God, but we pray for other people. We pray for the victims of violence. We pray for people who maybe they're suffering the kind of sorrow where they can't pray for themselves. We intercede on their behalf by praying to God about their situation. I just want to kind of give an opportunity for that truth to be out there. Um, So... I know the Department of Homeland Security and U.S. Department of Defense, switching subjects, uh, DOD, are holding a joint press conference on the Department of Defense deployment to the southwest southwest border. And I am going to bring you as much information about that on tomorrow's show as I possibly can. Um, But I want to give just – this isn't about hate. This isn't about not wanting people of color to immigrate into this country. We already have that going on. That's not the issue. The issue is that we have people who want to come here illegally and they don't care what our laws are. And we have to stand up against that. Um, Don't don't misattribute or misinterpret what's being said. The truth is that any person from any country who decided to amass on one of our borders or come here by boat and just dump off, you know, 10,000 people. We wouldn't put up with that. So um, the president and the first lady are going to visit the synagogue in, uh, in Pittsburgh, regardless of what these hardcore, you know, activists have said they want. Um, they 
will be there. The The rabbi has had a tough time going through the actual building. Uh, they've gone back in. They're saying the sanctuary is no longer usable, which I would, I would assume would be the case. Um, and President Trump has come out swinging, saying that, that the media is to blame for the bloodshed. They've stoked a great anger and that they are the true enemy of the people. I am not one of those people who is inclined at this point to say that he shouldn't make comments like this. I'm I'm actually tired of Republicans acting as if, you know, the the battered wife or enablers of uh, this media assault on President Trump. Ninety two percent of the coverage of the president is negative and media types don't have to do that. They could easily in newsrooms, they could just say it would be so simple and it is the right thing to do and it might hurt a little bit, but Anything that you're willing to do that's right, that hurts a little bit in the beginning, is going to yield fantastic rewards. And if media types would say, you know what, he's right, 92% of the coverage that we give to him is negative. I'm going to assign three of the reporters in this newsroom of 30. I'm going to assign three of you to find positive news stories, and we're going to make sure and put those up as well. Not because we like him or we've changed our mind. We're still resisting him, but we are going to give him fair coverage because we don't want his accusations about us to be true. And I'm telling you, I know it sounds like, oh, Stacy, that's so pie in the sky. It, it may sound like that, but it is not in your own best interests as media organizations to basically pave the path for your own demise. As more and more Americans get frustrated with the coverage, they turn off these media outlets. That's why they're putting stuff behind paywalls. That's why they're we need you to do a membership. Give us your email and let's do a membership process for these these because their print circulations are way down. So even if it's not about what's right and wrong, it should be about maintaining the business that they want to see continue to exist. Instead of laying off reporters, pick three or five reporters to find positive news stories about the Trump administration. And if he's really as bad as you think, that minimal amount of coverage of the good things he's doing isn't going to impact public opinion about him. In fact, it would just be that Jim Acosta, who's always whining about himself, that's what he was doing today at today's uh, press conference. They had an on-camera press briefing from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and he spent all three of his questions that she gave him peppering her and trying to force her to admit that CNN's not one of the enemies of the people, or maybe they are. What does Which specific news outlets does President Trump think are the enemy of the people? She refused to answer, which is her right. He wasted his questions. He could have asked so many other things that would have been momentous and provided some actual real news coverage for his organization. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, he has got to be replaced. He's got to be replaced. They got to send somebody in there who asks some real questions. The other thing is they'll let any news and media person register and, and show up for a press briefing. And I have got to get myself to D.C. and have my turn to ask a question. I, I really do. It, it's, it's on my list of things that I've got to absolutely go do. So in additional news, just in case you think your tax dollars are, are going, you know, they're all just the uses above board. You have this... Um, this employee of the federal government. He infected government ner- networks with Russian malware, according to the inspector general's report, through watching pornography at work. Now you might think, well, I mean, how much pornography could he watch? Well, apparently he had a lot of time during the day. He 
the report on this is from the Interior Department watchdog. And they recommended that the U.S. Geological Survey ratchet up their Internet security protocols after discovering that their networks had been infected with malware. The malware came from pornography sites. They named it, they, they traced it to a single unnamed U.S. Geological Survey employee who reportedly used a government-issued computer to visit some 9,000 adult video sites, according to a report published on October 17th. Many of the prohibited pages were linked to Russian websites containing malware, which was ultimately downloaded to the employee's computer and used to infiltrate U.S. geological survey networks. The investigation found the employees saved much of the pornographic material on an unauthorized USB drive and personal Android cell phone, both of which were connected to their computer against agency protocols. The employee's cell phone was also infected with malware. The digital forensic examination revealed that the employee had an extensive history of visiting these sites that hosted the malware. When it was downloaded to the employee's government laptop, the malware exploited the USGS network. All of this behavior is prohibited. Yet, you know, they haven't disabled the connections on government-issued devices which permit this to occur. It's not the first time this has happened on government property. Over the last 15 years, similar scandals have enveloped the EPA, Securities and Exchange Commission, and Internal Revenue Service. Last year, a D.C. area news network covered egregious on-the-job pornography viewing at a dozen federal agencies, and national security officials have reportedly found an unbelievable amount of child pornography on government devices. The problem is so prevalent that Representative Mark Meadows has introduced legislation banning pornography at federal agencies three different times. The question is, when does it get passed? It has not been passed. There are two versions of this bill. Um, reported in the House on April 6, 2017, H.R. 680. And H.R. 680 on the union calendar number 47. You can go to congress.gov and find these. It's H.R. 680, Eliminating Pornography from Agencies Act. It was introduced by Representative Mark Meadows, who's a Republican from North Carolina's 11th. Uh, the committees that he serves on are House and Oversight and Government Reform. It was placed on the union calendar on 4-6 of 2017. It has only been introduced. It has not passed the House. It has not passed the Senate. It has not gone to the president. It is not law. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, how could this be? How could it be that this bill would be introduced and has not yet become law? I don't know, because the use of pornography on government devices is so prevalent that nobody wants to pass a law banning it because then they would be affected themselves. There it is. <laughs> That's the answer. So, uh, yeah, that's that's depressing. Now, I also want to, as we close out the program today, I want to talk to you a little bit about all of these polls predicting that one party or the other is going to take back the House. If nobody votes, then the predictions of these little, you know, pollsters and naysayers could possibly come true. If everyone votes, their predictions could come true. The fact is, their predictions based on 
algorithms and research and what has happened in the past and yada, yada, yada. What happens if Americans humble themselves, pray, repent, ask God to heal our land, and then get to the polls? Well, something revolutionary could happen. We could actually get some really godly people in there to supplement ones we already have in there and replace some of those who shouldn't be there. And we could see some real change in government. Government's not the ultimate, but it is something important that we need to pay attention to as Christians. And um, so I encourage you to not give up. Not The polls don't mean anything. What means something is you praying over your ballot. You can print it out beforehand and review all of the issues that are going to be on your, on your ticket for your area, for your taxing district, and then vote according to what God has laid out for us in his word. Any person who plans to or supports violating any one of the Ten Commandments is not someone you should vote for and think you're going to get a pass for that by God when, when it's time to meet at the judgment seat. Now, last bit of news for today. Um, I, and I just, I'm, I'm kind of shocked, but I'm so happy. It's good news. Angela Merkel will not seek re-election. After 16 years in government and driving Europe to its knees with her migrant assistance, she's finally going to let go after being smacked down in the most recent election. Fantastic news. So I'll have to read up on who could possibly replace her and see if she'll be better or worse. You know what? God bless you. I hope you have a restful and relaxing evening. And I want to see you back here tomorrow. God bless from the heartland.